Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to another episode of Undying Light. I am Alex, and I am joined today with Joe Thorne. That's me. So, Joe, welcome to the podcast, and uh, thank you for taking your time out of your extremely busy schedule to kind of chime in in your opinion here and uh, give us some of your perspective on our topic today. Well, I'm not too busy today. It's my day off, so I'm just chilling. You just caught me coming from the cigar shop, so we're just hanging. Like, it's all good. I'm glad to do it. Absolutely, man. This is great. Um, so, Joe, for those who don't know you, can you give us a little bit of background about you? Sure. Um, I grew up right here. We're in St. Charles as we record, St. Charles, Illinois. It's about, I don't know, 30 miles directly west of Chicago. Um, so I grew up in this area. I was converted after I graduated from high school. Uh, went to Moody Bible Institute. While there, I got into a bunch of theological fights, uh, but I also met my wife. And uh, we got married right after, went to Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, came back up to uh, plant some churches up here and, uh, and pastor. And so I'm, I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles. We've got uh, four kids and a dog named Lucifer. Wow. So it's a pretty busy life. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good life, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, we're really blessed. Uh, it's the healthiest church I've ever been a part of. The people at Redeemer are wonderful Christians who are very honest about themselves, their struggles. They're very open about their faith, and um, they're godly people. I couldn't imagine uh, pastoring any other church where I can actually be who I am, and when I'm wrong, they'll call me on it, uh, and they accept me for, for who I am with all my quirks and idiosyncrasies. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good time. It's a good place. I'm, I'm really grateful for it. My wife is gone this weekend. She is in uh, South Dakota preaching at a women's conference. So um, I'm, just, uh, I'm just up here with my, my, my kids and my dog, just kind of feeling, feeling like half myself. It's kind of yeah. weird. So maybe this will distract me. We can have good conversations, have some good fellowship, so I'm not thinking about how lonely I am without my wife. <laughs> you know, my, my wife sometimes does that when I, uh, around Christmas. I usually have to work, and then she stays with her family for the whole week. And so I'm all by myself because mm. my daughter's too young to right. hang with me mm. unsupervised. 
So she's with. She's probably know. barely supervised when it's just you, anyways. Right? It's pretty yeah. true, yeah. So I'm like, here's some toys, mm-hmm. throw some food on the floor, right. and let her go to town. So, uh, so yeah, I, I know what you feel, but um, uh, and that's going to happen to me around Christmas this year again. So, so today uh, we're going to talk about Solas Christos, mm-hmm. Christ alone. So it's the next uh, episode um, in our series on the five solas of the Reformation. Uh, so, what are your what's your perspective on um, solas Christos right off the bat? Well, the idea that that salvation is accomplished by Christ alone is complementary to uh, the idea that we receive this salvation by faith alone um, and not by our works. So. Um, you know, Christ is the one who uh, accomplishes and distributes salvation. It's not the church. Mm-hmm. So we don't look to the church for salvation. We, uh, we look to the Savior. Um, to say that Christ alone um, is our hope of salvation has a number of implications in my mind, um, some which relate to not just our own experience of redemption, but also the way in which we evangelize. What is the hope of the world? Um, it gets back to this central message of, of Christ's crucifixion. Um, it also helps us to understand that the work of salvation itself is accomplished in total by Christ. So, you know, there's a, there's a famous evangelist, really famous evangelist, who used to say things like, Jesus has done 99% of it. There's 1% left. That, that 1% is up to you. You need to come forward and accept Jesus. Um, and uh, Solus Christus teaches us that, no, Christ has done 100%. He alone is the propitiation for our sins. Um, he alone, you know, satisfied the wrath of God in that sense. He made, didn't make it possible, but made purification for sins and now sits at the right hand of the Father. Um, Jesus has accomplished all that is necessary. Our part is to receive that accomplished salvation by faith. So I think it issues challenges to not just Roman Catholics, but right. even many modern-day Protestants and evangelicals who begin to get confused about where their hope lies um, and their understanding of, of Jesus for them, like on an experiential level, but also as it relates to broader theology and evangelism. Yeah, I mean, that's perfectly said. And, you know, what I find is interesting is how when we look at what Scripture tells us in comparison to what these famous evangelicals or the Roman Catholics mm-hmm. or modern Protestants tell us, they always are trying to implement a works-based salvation. And we just don't see that anywhere in Scripture. Um, really, the only time works becomes kind of evident as uh, necessity is in James. But even James isn't talking that works is required, right? Works is a result of our faith. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of, it, it depends on what you mean, right? So, like, uh, on the one hand, do we need to do good works? Well, yes, we need to do good works, but we don't need to do them. For our redemption, right? Um, so, are good works required? Well, yes, but not for our salvation. salvation right. uh, you know, they're required to live a life of, of holy obedience to the Lord. Uh, they're required to enjoy the the redemption that you have in Jesus, because without obedience, you're just not you're going to be persisting in sin. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the, the 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 primary pushback that we're going to be offering to most Christians out there who are erring on this is. Um, this subtle form of works-based salvation, which isn't like the IBF, uh, you know, fundamentalist Baptist kind mm, of a thing. Yeah. It's more that um, that soft works, constant uh, preaching that we hear out there. It's very Bible-y, 
You know, it's very, it's got, it's got some Bible in there. Um, but what they're constantly throwing out is, is, well, this is God's will for your life. And this is what makes God happy. And if, you know, if you're going to be serious about the Lord, then this is what you need to do. Um, and those imperatives are important, but they're oftentimes presented as if the whole of your Christian life really hinges on you and what, on your obedience rather than on Christ and what he has done. So there's confusion for people. And so, yeah, I think we oftentimes need to push back against the works idea uh, in the way it's popularly thought of. Because I think there's, there's two extremes, right? There's the one extreme that, um, that like sort of uh, weaponizes works. And it's, uh, you know, if, if, if you aren't doing enough or if you aren't obeying in these particular ways, then you shouldn't have any assurance of salvation. Like most of the evangelicals I know aren't going to say your salvation hinges on your works, but what they preach and what they emphasize implicitly gives that idea. And on the other hand, on the other end of the spectrum, you have people that um, they're so grace emphasis. They have such a grace emphasis um, in their mind that they have an incomplete understanding of grace and how it works, so that they don't ever preach the third use of the law in the Reformed tradition, which is that the law remains a rule for godly living. So you know, you go to Ephesians two, uh, eight, nine, right? Saved by grace through faith in Christ, but uh, we were created, and that is regenerated, that is made new. We are created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right. So good works are important. They're really, really important. But Solus Christus says, your works um, do not accomplish your salvation. They do, do not contribute to your salvation. They do not secure your salvation. Christ's works accomplish your salvation. So we're pro-works, but we're pro-works for Jesus' works saving us, and we're pro-works for our works reflecting the glory of God, and uh, as we are empowered to do those things by the Spirit. Yeah. And I think that, that's perfect. And another quote I kind of drew up this weekend to kind of look at this, B.B. Uh, Warfield writes that the saving power of faith resides thus not in itself, but mm-hmm. in the almighty Savior on whom it rests. Yeah. And I think that's perfectly said because there, there has to be that distinction between where do we look at the, the actual point of salvation. We can look and say Christ gives us salvation, and then we can say through Christ we do these works. But these works have no implication on our salvation. Right. Doing or not doing the works won't jeopardize our salvation. Right. It's they are an obedient response mm. to, you know, the the gift that Christ gives us. Yeah, and they, of course, you know, uh, the life of godliness uh, will strengthen one's assurance mm-hmm. um, as those works are stemming from faith. Uh, ungodliness will weaken assurance. You know, we can lose the assurance of our salvation. There's no guarantee that we will always have this assurance. If you are saved, you are saved. Your sins are forgiven. God's wrath is propitiated. You cannot lose that gift, but you can lose your assurance of that gift. And so, you know, in, in that sense, you know, works are important. But even the word work, right? It, for so many people, it has this implication of earning. You know, of of amassing. And it's, it's right. Little, yeah. it's, it's really it's get up like, at 8 a.m. and go to work for 40 hours a week. Right. Yeah. I get paid what I you owe me. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like, yeah. God doesn't owe us anything. Uh, we owe him everything. Mm-hmm. And so our works are um, not just a debt. And it certainly isn't a debt for salvation. Um, and you can think of it as, well, it is, it is a debt that we owe to the, to the God who made us. Right. Because we owe him ourselves. But it is more than that. It is a it is the joyful response of a person who loves to please their father. We want to look like dad. You know, we want to have Christ's image uh, formed in us. And our good deeds are one of those uh, critical aspects of 
of the Christian life. And even Jesus, you know, links up abiding uh, in him and obeying him. Like those two things go together. Right. So what I see a lot of with from like um, the Roman Catholics, mm-hmm. for instance, and because this is where a lot of this originates out of, right, is the Reformation. Mm-hmm. It's right. the response to uh, the Roman Catholics in this time period that had uh, sacraments, they had uh, a merit system in place, they had, you had, you know, you're, you and of yourself couldn't earn your, or, you know, had to do so many things to earn your salvation because Christ gave it, but then he also, you know, left out some extra things that you needed to accomplish. And so they put in this, you know, these sacraments, if you would, um, and this key to earning that salvation. And it's interesting that if you look at the, in the you know, these seven sacraments that the Roman Catholics have listed, none of them are actually even listed in the Bible in terms of like things that we should be doing. You know, right. the first one is baptism and, and the command is, you know, Matthew 28, to go out into the world and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. But that doesn't mean that you have to do that in order to be saved. Right. Well, it's a, it's a radically different way of, of thinking about how God saves. Mm-hmm. Right. So, uh, you know, to be fair to the Roman Catholics, they would say, um, you're saved by grace. Uh, you're saved by Christ. You're saved by grace. You're saved through faith. They're, 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 it's the alone yeah. that they... That they object to, mm-hmm. um, and uh, boy, uh, Trent doesn't mix doesn't mince any words about that. Right. Like to say that means that you're damned, you're anathema. Mm-hmm. So um, they're pro grace, right? They're pro Jesus, they're pro faith in all of those ways. But the great that but the grace of God comes through these sacraments, and the grace of God works with our obedience to secure our redemption. Hopefully, in the end. Right. Yeah. So it's it, definitely it's 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 coming out of. I mean, the the solas as we articulate them, um, we're pushing back against the the known church's false doctrine at the time, and uh, there were a lot of other tangential issues that were also important. But at the heart of it all, I think, yeah, scripture alone is is the linchpin for all of it, um, and then Christ alone is um, is the heart of the gospel. You know, you mentioned B.B. Warfield and how he talked about the object of our faith is Christ, and this mm-hmm. is what saves. It's not our faith that saves, it's Christ that saves, right. that saves and, and our faith is in him. And even that today is really misunderstood by a lot of evangelicals because, you know, it's they, like, we should rejoice that we have faith and we should love and cherish our faith, especially if we see it as a gift from God. Yeah. Like this faith that I have is a gift, but that faith is the teeniest thing compared to Christ, the object of our faith. And that's where our hope is. And so Christ alone says, you're not saved by your faith. You're saved by Christ. Your faith is the instrument that allows you to receive him. But uh, so we champion that. And yet you hear a lot of evangelicals today. Uh, I'm a Baptist. So you hear a lot of Baptists and Southern Baptists uh, in certain quadrants talk a lot about their faith. My faith really got me through that situation. Um, well, giving them the benefit of the doubt, what they mean is, um, my dependency on Christ nourished my soul and I was able to get through that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not their faith. It was Christ, right? That ultimately did it. But but in the worst case scenario, people really have this mystical idea like this, 
this uh, blind uh, hope that I have in God is this powerful thing that I can use as a weapon right. and it's uh, to, to fight off enemies. And it's really not the picture that we have in Scripture. You, you bring up an interesting point there because I, I feel like that's kind of the premise of what most modern American churches are now preaching is this, you know, you can overcome every single life obstacle if you become a Christian by just accepting Jesus you can now overcome your financial debt. You can overcome your illness. You can overcome, you know, your poor job decisions, right. your family issues. I mean, and again, we go back to what Scripture tells us, and we don't see any of those promises explicitly made to Christians. No, and you know, you got on the one hand, you got the the hard, you know, prosperity gospel heretics. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the uh, the word faith movement, right? So we're you got on the one hand you got people saying God wants you to be wealthy. You just have to believe enough, and He'll make you wealthy. His plan is for you to be wealthy. Other people are emphasizing God wants you to be healthy and whole. If you just have enough faith, He will make you whole. Um, but then you've got the softer forms of it that are much more popular, I think, among average Baptist evangelical kinds of churches, where they're saying, you know, uh, you you God wants you to be happy. God wants you to have peace in your life. Um, God wants you to Uh, have a healthy marriage. And not only that, you can have all of those things. Uh, Just take this class, read this book, sign up for this course. Uh, And so it's not a hard sell. And I think there are generally good intentions behind it, but it it at least implicitly is giving this picture that the Christian life should be one of comfort, ease, and prosperity. When, um, you know, Jesus says at one point, um, I brought a sword and it's going to separate families. Yep. Um, you know, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to take up your cross and follow me. You have to be willing to die. And, uh, you know, some of you are going to be persecuted. Some of you are going to drink the cup that I drink of. And it's not going to be comfortable. It's going to be affliction and suffering and pain. It's going to be death. Um, and, and, and here's the reality. I've been a pastor now for over 20 years. And uh, the one thing that's very, very clear, especially now that I'm here at Redeemer for the past 12 or 13 years, is that everybody is hurting, every Christian family, every godly, faithful family is afflicted and suffering regardless of their socioeconomic uh, uh, bracket, regardless of their background, regardless of their job. Um, everybody's hurting. And yes, redemptively, ultimately, in the end, the plan is for God to make us whole and to wipe away every tear. Um, we will dwell in the land forever with God and treasures in heaven and all of this but um for now there is going to be tribulation there's going to be difficulty and christ is victorious over us uh christ is victorious over the world and he is our victory over the world but you think about what you know paul says in romans right we're more than conquerors even when they kill us yeah even we lose everything so it's not that you're going to oh you're not going to keep everything you might lose everything but even then you're still more than a conqueror so yeah, I, th- I agree. It, it goes against um, the solus Christus goes against most of the popular works-based feel-good, what Michael Horton calls Christless Christianity. Yeah, you know, I thought that uh, you know the the whole stance that Paul brings and we're more than conquerors. Um, on my way over here today, I listened to some beautiful eulogy. Mm-hmm. I love. Beautiful eulogy. My boys, love them. And in one of their songs, the lyrics talks about, you know, he could lose 
everything. He could have his ministry stripped. He could have his you know family removed, his wealth, his everything he has gone, and he would still get on his knees and worship Christ. Yeah, and I think that is what's missing from the preaching style in Christianity is this fact that we should be you know dedicating our lives mm-hmm. to worshiping Christ in all circumstances. Not just the high points that a lot of this kind of fluffy Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, like Michael Horton stands, Christless Christianity brings to the table. Um, but we should be, you know, at that highs and at our very lowest points, turning to Christ to get us through these storms. In that, in that perspective, I think, um, really comes through a ministry of the word that champions Solus Christus, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, Baptists are famous for being a people of the book, the Sunday school, teach the kids, flannel graphs, everything. Um, and so we, many Baptist churches have raised up generation after generation of kids who know the stories of the Bible, but they don't necessarily know what the stories of the Bible mean. Hmm. Um, they don't necessarily know how every story, every history, every poem, that all of it is ultimately leading us to see Christ, to get a better understanding of Christ and his kingdom. And until we do that, it's much more difficult for us to then see Christ in every aspect of our lives. Yeah. You can't see Christ in the highs and the lows of your life if you don't see Christ in the highs and lows of Scripture. So I think the ministry of the Word, and by that I don't just mean the, the pastor preaching on Sunday, though definitely that's critical, but I mean in our education, Sunday school, small groups, uh, family worship, uh, in, in our small group meetings just with a couple of guys around the table, right? being able to open up the Word and to see what Jesus helped the disciples to see it on the see it on the road to Emmaus, right? Yeah. That everything in the law and the prophets is pointing to Jesus. Right. That's if if Solus Christus is true, and we believe it is, um, then that should impact how we preach. You know, is, is it a is it a bunch of disjointed stories? Um, or are all of these accounts, all these sixty six books written by over forty authors, or all is all of this linked together by the, the Savior? Mm-hmm. And this is the value then of, of, of good theology, covenant theology in particular um, a really accessible book for something like this would be um, Jesus on Every Page. Uh, it's a great book, easy to read. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, people would people would do really well to. I mean, people want to dive into some of the some of the deeper stuff, but um, yeah. And it, it was written by a professor of Old Testament and practical theology at Puritan Reformed Theological Seminary. Oh. So, uh, Murray, David Murray. David Murray. Shoot a blank on his name. He's he's a godly man that helped me through like a real tough crisis in my life when I forgot his first name. So yeah, David Murray, uh, really really good book to help you with that to see Jesus on every page to see the the outworkings of Solus Christus, not just big picture soteriologically or in the doctrine of salvation, but in our understanding of God's word and his revelation. Yeah. And it's great because I think that's one thing, you know, especially for somebody like me, who's very new to ministry. Um, you know, I've only been doing this for less than a year now preaching. And I can tell from just being in a church a couple of times this year that there is a big disconnect from Sunday to Sunday. There's a gap that people don't seem to fill in with the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And they expect that, well, I'm going to come to church on Sunday and I'm going to, I'll know everything I need to know about Christ. And, and then that 
that gets me through, right? Right. And, and you you said it perfectly, where it's 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 everything in between that brings us together, and it's you know the life of um, the reformers through the Puritans into even today's you know reformed group of individuals is you know how can we cultivate a life of Christly living and obedience in a world that's so demanding of us to not be like Christ. Mm. Yeah. And for me, I think one of the big takeaways uh, on a personal, personal practical level for Solus Christus, where I'm, where I'm more challenged is if Solus Christus is true, then I had better be a zealous evangelist. I mean, if, if Christ is the only hope for a dying world, for a world that is in rebellion against God, a world that's going to feast on God's judgment, if the only hope is Jesus, if he is if he has the only name under which men and women can be saved, then I had better be telling everyone I can about this Jesus. I should love my neighbors enough to do so. More importantly, I should love Jesus enough to do so. Yeah. It's like the motivation to do it, you know, there's different motivations. I, I'm, I should be motivated because I love my neighbors and I want to see them escape hell. And God's fury, but above that, I Jesus is worth telling about. Jesus is worth sharing, um, and so yeah, that this doctrine uh, challenges me because you know I, I try to do the work of an evangelist. I share the gospel in a number of different circumstances and venues uh, with people, relationships, strangers. But uh, I frequently find myself getting comfortable, getting a little too careless, and then when I'm tired, you know. Uh, I, I, I'll be in a situation where um, I'm, somebody's kind of striking up a conversation with me and I'm so tired, I'm so weary because of the week that I've had. I, I don't want, I don't want to engage. Yeah. I don't want to engage, but I have to, and while rest is important, when those divine providential opportunities come about, I, uh, I really should be moved to do it. And so is Christus, right? I mean, solely Deo Gloria and so is Christus. They ought to be the things that are driving me to, you know, uh, open up your eyes, uh, open up your mouth, and share with this brother or sister because this is the only hope that they have and uh, this might be the only shot that they get to hear it. Yeah. And that's crucial in a world like today because most people think that I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I don't have to really do anything, right? It's that it's a simple faith that we talked about where it's you've got those two extremes, easy believism, and then you've got the works-based salvation. And the goal is to try to hit that whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk to people, but I, I see your point, you know, you get kind of comfortable you, long weeks and, you know, just sharing the gospel, even with, you know, your family, I, I know with mine, it gets difficult and, um, but it, it has to be something that we place on our hearts to, and in our minds and our tongues to be talking about as often as possible. Um, so as we kind of wrap up this time, uh, Jody, you got any last thoughts on Solas Christos and, kind of the use for people going into the world? Well, I, you have so many tools at your disposal now, right? Um, through, I mean, just the, forget expensive tools, just the internet mm. connects you to so many free resources. Uh, you can go to monergism.com and just read article after article, sermon after sermon on this subject. Yeah. As these brothers are taking you guys through the solas of the Reformation, um, thank God for them. Listen carefully. But listen, use that as the diving board to go into the deeper waters. Uh, you, you should be 
if you really want to know God, if you, if you really want to be conformed to the image of Christ, then theology will matter to you. It will be life-giving because theology is essentially the knowledge of God. It's the knowledge of God that you personally experience and express derived from Scripture, but we need pastors and teachers, right? That's why God gave that to the church, pastors and teachers, to help us to grow in that. I need pastors and teachers even though I'm a pastor and a teacher. And so um, use the resources that you have. Get good books. I know these brothers are recommending things for you guys. Uh, pick those things up and, um, and then share it. Discuss it with others. You know, if you begin to catch fire on these doctrines, what's really happening, hopefully what's really happening, is you're, you're, a zeal for God is being born in you. And you want to make sure that you're not getting more excited about particular doctrines disassociated from the person of God. But you want every doctrine that you look at and marvel and learn to draw you closer in your communion with God. And if that's happening, that zeal that you have will be contagious. Not that it can be contagious, it will be contagious. It'll also uh, frustrate some people. You might get kicked out of your church. But um, <laughs> in general, uh, just use the resources that God has given you. 2,000 years of pastors and teachers unpacking this stuff. Don't wing it on your own. Yeah. Dive deep and, and learn from others. That's brilliant because, you know, it's one thing that we take a lot of time often on our, you know, Oz and Ends episodes is just recommending our books that we're reading. Mm -hmm. We talk about what we're doing. Um, we talk about the websites and the resources we use. Um, I know you are a big advocate for Logos Bible software. Yeah, use it every day. And I, I know me and Paul use it. I love it. I actually just upgraded last week to uh, the next tier plan or whatever. Cool. For, so, I mean, I'm just like swamped now with all these resources and I, I can't even imagine what it was like prior to the internet having to, yeah. you know, find all this doctrine by reading, you know, 65 books and trying to connect the pieces. And now you can just get on and just search and you've got 30 websites at your disposal. And it's, it's frustrating, right? Because in a way it's like, it, think of the spiritual spiritual analogy here. We were all born with a very high metabolism. Now, in real life, I was not. That's why I'm soft and round. But spiritually, it's like we were reborn with a very high metabolism, and we were born into a state-of-the-art gym, the perfect gym, gymnasium, outdoor, indoor, whole thing. Mm. And we're still fat. So, like, there's no real excuse, right? Yeah. Because we've got this super high metabolism, the spirit of God dwelling in us, God causing us to walk in his ways. And um, we have the means of grace. So we have everything. We have no excuse to not. And at this stage in church history, we have it easier than any of anybody else. And yet, you know, it's just easy to zone out yeah. and chill. I'll tell you, it's, it's funny because for all the work that we might do, most recently in the last couple of years, I've enjoyed just listening to scripture. Just listening to it through mm. apps. Yes. Um, and uh, I like Streetlights in particular. That's yep. a really great app. They're it's great. free. Mm -hmm. And um, just hearing someone else read the word well. You got to read it well. Um, is a completely different discipline. Like the reading of the word is different from the preaching of the word and the yeah. studying of the word. Um, so yeah, we got all these all these resources. Um, we should be fit, ready for, ready to fight, ready to love, ready to minister. Um, don't waste don't waste the podcast, right? Yeah. I mean, goodness, um, these brothers are putting. The, you guys put a lot of work into this. Like it's not you know a podcast isn't easy. Everybody thinks it's easy. Anybody can do it. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's so not easy. <laughs> you put a lot of work into it, and honestly, the reward is that you might encourage somebody mm -hmm. um, to cherish Christ and the gospel more. Yeah. 
and you, that's, you guys are doing that. Yeah, and that's the, the the ultimate prize is to just drive people to Christ. And you know, you get on the topic about just consuming the word and and, mm-hmm. and you know saturating yourself and bathing yourself in the word. And I mean, that's a topic for a whole hour's worth of conversation right. about uh, discipline and, and just doing it. And um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to take the time to come out and just get your thoughts on a topic that's uh, near and dear to my heart and that's standing for Christ alone. And especially in today's culture where it's Christ and, or it's Christ, but, or it's Christ and then some other stuff. And Or, or, the, or the Christ that they uh, conceive of is not the Jesus of the Bible. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've, I've had plenty of conversations with people that are on every single level of that spectrum. And uh, to just kind of continue to point back to scripture is what our goal has always been been to do especially with this podcast and i know with yours as well is what does the gospel say what does scripture tell us and uh, so i just want to take time to say thank you and uh because i know your time is very precious and um you you know this hopefully will impact and motivate somebody to sit down and just consume the word even more that's our hope right revelation of god absolutely so, Joe, thank you, and uh, God bless in your upcoming works. I know you're going to be in California next week, so good luck to that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a good time. Thanks for coming out, man. Listen, you're close by, so let's hang out sometime. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do so. Thanks a lot. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.